this summer, our world will come under attack. The mayor has declared a state of emergency. By the most evil force ever known. He has armies at his command. And only one power on earth can stop him. To my nightmare. Now, the ultimate adventure begins. We're the Power Rangers. Ooh, where's my autograph book? More action. More adventure. More power. The O's is back. You lose, you lose. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Ciao, people, and welcome to our 147th episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast, where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse Image, and more. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I'm one of your co-hosts, DJ Nick, and making his debut today on the podcast is the one and only Mr. Keith Bliss. Hey, Keith, how are you? And welcome to the podcast. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to get started. Oh, we're very definitely very, very happy to have you on for sure, Keith, for this particular movie. So because today, folks, we are discussing Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie from 95. This was directed by Brian Spicer, who has directed more TV than movies when it comes to films. He actually directed Mikhail's Navy and For Richer or Poorer. The screenplay was by Arnie Olsen, who co-wrote the story with John Camps, while the original score was by Graham Ravel. And to put it in today's money... This movie cost $28 million to make and made $126 million at the box office. So not a bad return for this full-blown Power Rangers movie. So, Keith, starting first off with uh, you know, general impressions and stuff, before we actually get to that, where does your fa- what does your fa- Power Rangers fandom look like? And I believe you actually had a rather interesting Power Rangers story to share. Yeah, I, I'm a, an old school Power Ranger fan. I literally used to come home, you know, back in the 90s after school and watch these guys on TV. And I would be like a little kid all over again because, you know, it's giant robots fighting giant monsters. What's not to like about this? Um, it's funny that you talk about that story. I go to a local comic book shop near me and somebody was in the store looking at Power Rangers the comic book. And, you know, we were talking about how the Power Rangers comic book is so much different than the TV show. And as a goof, I, I turned around and said to him, I go, yeah, I like Voltron as much as the next guy. And he just, his eyes bugged down. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, you know, Voltron, the guys that jump in the lines and they all make one big robot and take off. And you can see the little blood vessels on his forehead just popping out of his head. Well, he got furiated and stomped off and I go walk up to the counter to check out and one of the guys goes, thank you very much. And I was like, for what? And he tells me that this guy is one of those rabid Power Rangers are the greatest things since sliced bread and anybody who doesn't agree with that is just you know, wrong, 100%. And I put him in his place and he just stomped off and the guys were all laughing in the background and I couldn't figure out why until he explained the story to me. And he was a younger kid and you know, he didn't realize that, you know, Voltron had inspired a lot of these, you know, Power Rangers and all the different 90s live action TV shows. And he was like, these are the greatest thing ever. And I was like, I'm a Voltron kid. I love Power Rangers. I think it's, you know, campy as all get out. But it, you know, speaks to that little kid in me when I watched Voltron. So I can't not enjoy the show. 
I mean, I, heck, I turned it on just the other day to watch some of the newer Power Rangers to see how it's progressed. And again, I get sucked right in like I'm a little kid and I keep watching it. And I think that's fantastic. I mean, because just like you, my, myself and my brother were actually big, big fans of the Power Rangers TV show growing up. And uh, we actually owned some of the action figures and all that good stuff. So we were definitely big, big fans of this. And I actually remember when we actually went to watch this film, I was actually visiting some cousins of mine in the UK and I literally persuaded them to take me to the theater to see this because I, I remember, if I recall, it was actually on the back of a cereal box. There was literally the poster for this film. And I was like, oh my God, I have to go see this. I'm in England. I actually get to see it in English. And so I convinced my cousins to go and watch it way back when, uh, in, back in the 90s. So, uh, so definitely good stuff. And when it actually comes to this movie, Keith, what are your general thoughts on this, on, on this film? Well, I have two perspectives on it. I remember what I thought when I was, you know, 17, you know, watching this in the movies because it was, you know, the big deal. It was the TV show now in live action. I thought it was amazing. I thought the special effects were great. I thought, you know, the characters are still over the top, but that's what everybody loved about them. You know, they were kind of the extreme versions of like slapstick, you know, bull and then they were just, you know, essentially bullies. Like everybody's like, oh, these guys are funny. And you look at them today and you're like, no, these guys are, you know, aggressive bullies and they, you know, should have restraining orders against them. <laughs> but, you know, I turn around and watch that same movie and I rewatched it, you know, for your show. And I'm sitting here going, wow, this stuff has not aged well at all. You know, I, I see better special effects on a video game on my cell phone. And I'm like, oh, you know, so, you know, I have two sides of the same coin. It's like one, the, 16, 17 year old me loves it to death. The adult of me goes, Oh, why did I watch this? You know, so, but I still, it, it tickles me. Like, I still, you know, laugh at it. I still go, Why do you do that? You know, I still yell at the screen like a little kid, like, don't do that. So I can't knock it too much. I hear you. I mean, that's pretty fair because that was pretty much what was going through, through my mind when I was watching this. And we've actually had this happen when it comes to other movies we have reviewed, which I, you know, maybe we really remembered as being awesome as kids. And obviously, when you look at it through adult eyes, some of the magic has been lost. And I will admit when it comes to this, as much as I try to put myself back in the mind of, you know, the, the little kid who was a huge fan of Power Rangers at the time. It was tough when it came to rewatching this, just like you, because I thought to myself, why are they doing that? Why is there right. no character? Yeah, why is there no character development? Why is right. there why the, the, the tons of plot holes? It's so, so certain things are just so easily explained away. And so I will do my best to be as kind as I can to this film, but it's <laughs> gonna be tough. So Keith, you might it's I tough. don't know if you're yes. So I don't know whether you're gonna be the one trying to make a case for this film, but I don't know, because, uh, yeah, watching it today, um, I don't know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really hard to, to actually give this a you know, decent review anyways, but, uh, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, so let's kick off with our heroes themselves, the Power Rangers, or Ninjetti in this film. We Ooh, have, yes. Exactly, this time we've got the Ninjetti, which I see interesting. So we actually have Karen Ashley as Aisha Campbell, who's the Yellow Ranger, Johnny Young Bosch as Adam Park, the Black Ranger, Steve Cardenas as Rocky DeSantos, the Red Ranger, Jason David Frank as Tommy Oliver, the White Ranger, 
Amy Jo Johnson as Kimberly Hart, the Pink Ranger, and David Yost as Billy Cranston, the Blue Ranger. So when it came to our group of Rangers, Keith, what did you make of these guys and what they got to do in this film? I'm going to have to say they are one ball of walking cliches. You know, you have Tommy running around giving everybody high fives every three seconds. And, you know, Kimberly like, oh, no, oh, God. You're like, all right, you've been fighting giant monsters and this is where you start to cry. You know, you have the typical nerdy kid who, you know, trips over his own feet. And then you just kind of have the Red Ranger who's just all macho testosterone. And Tommy, while the not the original leader, but eventually becomes the leader because everybody thought he was the cool ranger because he went from the green ranger to the white ranger. Uh, you know, it, for its time, it was great. You know, again, when you step back and look at it, you see all the cliches and all the, the tropes that were very popular from the 90s. Like, if I didn't tell you when this movie came out or I told you it came out in the 90s, you'd be like, yeah, I could see that based on the skydiving snowboarding thing the uh crazy this and the crazy that and that's all i would need to say and you'd be like yeah that's about right so it, it doesn't the acting is they might as well be out of acting school you know it, it, they're not uh not gonna win an oscar anytime soon there's definitely not and i'm gonna blame this for the most part also on the writing because I, like you said the lines are incredibly cheesy and i'm actually glad that you were able to find some personalities to differentiate these rangers because I had a really hard time differentiating the rangers when it came to their personalities because to me, they literally seemed like six random teenagers from the 90s doing what random teenagers from the 90s do with, yes. superpo <laughs> with superpowers. Because that's why I say when it comes to these characters, there was barely any character development. Possibly the only character development we get is the potential love story between Tommy and Kimberly, which I guess is a thing. I mean, I've forgotten at this point, so maybe you can refresh my mind on this. Were Tommy and Kimberly a couple before this movie came out? Not really. Like there was that kind of the semi flirtatiousness in it, but I don't remember them being like, oh, we're a couple. We're going to go off and get married and have kids or anything like that. There was, it never really kind of, to the best of my recollection per progressed that far there were some underlining tones to it but no there's never like it's a big date or the big kiss or anything like that with them okay cool yeah because i was wondering because that was pretty much the only as i said kind of character development that kind of you know should we say separated these characters because it's clear that there's some you know i could almost say teenage sexual tension between tommy and kimberly so mm -hmm. that was the only thing i got when it came to this group because other than that they don't really have, it's like when, when we went to review Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where in some cases they all seem like the same, like the, the same character, whereas in other times they actually give them different personalities. Here, mm -hmm. it didn't seem like we actually got to, should we say, have distinct personalities. Granted, we don't have a lot of quiet moments to where these characters can develop because I suppose we have to think about what the demographic is. This is, you know, young teenage kids want to watch this. So they're probably not going to care about character development or, exactly. oh, oh, you know, like Billy is such a genius or Rocky is such a badass or, you know, the depth of, of, of Kimberly's sort of feelings and she's such an empath or stuff. So I guess I'll try and forgive it for that. But still, 
I always try to judge all these movies equally, and that really kind of upset me. And the, th and the other thing is, why do they always have to do backflips every five seconds? I don't know what, what it is with that. But that's your problem? You're not, you don't have the issue with the fact that it's, you know, a bunch of middle-aged kids, middle-aged adults pretending to be kids, where, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure one had a receding hairline. I'm like, oh, why? why? Like, couldn't we, couldn't we have gone with, I don't know, literally anybody that's younger than that? And like you said, the backflips, the backflips always cracked me up. It's like, you know, running's faster, right, guys? It was always, oh, or they're running up a hill somewhere to somewhere else. And they always wound up in the same pit every time. This, this one little gravel pit somewhere in the middle of their imaginary city is just a crater at this point because the weekly battles, there's no way they rebuild. This is worse than New York City when it comes to having the Avengers, I tell you. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, and I agree. Yeah, the backflips kind of reminded me of when in like the 80s, the main move for a hero like the Hulk was like, pick somebody up and toss him away. So not do punches right. or anything, just pick them up and toss them. But I will say, I did appreciate the fight choreography. Some of the fight choreography was actually fun to watch. That was probably one of the better parts, at least for me. Did you, did you dig the, the fights? Depending on the scene, yes, you know, you had those scenes where like they were doing the jump spins and it was going up like three stories and you're like, that's clearly they're on a wire somewhere. But the fighting amongst them in like the putties was definitely a step up from the TV show. Granted, it wasn't a, a high step, mind you, but it was still a step up. And I get it, you know, for the 90s, it was all mostly just punch this, kick that, you know, and kind of let the chips lie where they, they may. So I can't knock yeah. it too, too much. And again, like you said, it's, they're going for the teens and we're all like, Ooh, they're fighting. Yay. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because like I said, there's never really sort of any significant dialogue other than no. these terrible puns, which would probably even make Spider-Man blush when it comes to some of the, or even, or even should we say cringe because some of the puns are terribly cringe worthy. And I thought Batman and Robin was bad. This is even worse when it comes to the puns. I tell you, <laughs> um, but well, uh, see, I I can almost excuse like the old Batman 66 because Robin was just a walking cliche. He had to make sure. some sort of corny pun every two seconds. He was there for comedy relief. Here mm. it was like, they didn't know what to do. And they're like, I got it. Let's make a cheesy pun out of this. And you're like, oh, come on. Like you could have just hit like four words on a wheel and it would have made a better line than some of the stuff these guys came up with. Oh, I agree. And when it actually came to the Zords, and should we say these new Zords that our Rangers get, what did you make of those? Did you dig them? I, yes, I, I did. I'm going to be, you know, corny, but like, I definitely got a kick out of the new Zords. And granted, where their origins were a little okay at best, you know, they went from one planet of superpowered whatever's to let's go to this other magical planet to get superpowers. Like, are you telling me no evildoer never thought the same idea? Like, hey, let's go over there and get those powers so they don't have them. Like, what? <sighs> but, you know, I, I appreciated it. I, I like how Tommy had a giant bird. And then um, what was the one with the shit that did all the characters? Like, the frog was great. But again, the special effects were very 90s. You know, if you, they redid this today in, like, the same budget as, say, um, the Avengers, the stuff would look amazing. The dialogue would still be horrible, but the special effects would be amazing. Most likely, I guess if you gave this to Kevin Feige, 
he could probably make something amazing out of this. I have a feeling, you know, with the right budget and the right kind of producer, you could definitely get something great out of it. Yeah, I mean, the Zords, I agree with you. The, the ideas were kind of fun, but yes, there were moments where I'm like, yeah, I can see this is so fake. I'm not even into it anymore. I mean, right. and I was, I wanted to cry because I thought so as a kid, I was literally so excited and so hyped when I was watching the Zords coming together for the big battle. And I'm like, no, this does just doesn't do it for me anymore. And I was, right. I, I, I was kind of the same way. I'm like, wait, so, you know, Tommy's got this bird and then like, um, what's your name? Kimberly's got a plane. Like, how did that work out? Like you have animals sometimes and then actual ships the other time. And then you fuse together and you turn into this weird, monkey looking zord with a dog face i'm like uh, i don't mm, nope <sighs> and also can we talk about the fact that whenever the zords get some kind of damage problem they seem to be repaired very quickly right i, I was thinking the same thing like they're like oh my god i have a fatal error and like i fly off screen and come back I'm like all right cool we're good and they just like no big deal or how like the minorest little thing that hits them, like sparks everywhere. Everything is on fire. You think the world was coming to an end. And all of a sudden you're like, click. All right, we're back to normal. Keep going. And you're like, how? So, yeah, I, I was kind of, I definitely chuckled at that one a little bit. You know, yeah. Ivy News has two Zords against like five and he still, you know, kicks the snot out of them. And I was like, oh, it's like you guys are the worst fighters in the world. You know, yes. it, just think about it, if he had actually recruited people who were trained fighters, like, I don't know, anybody in the military, anybody in any special forces anywhere in the world, nobody would ever stand a chance. The Power Rangers would win all the time. But you were like, hey, let's collect five rando kids that are skateboarding and give them all the power in the world. This will end well. Like, no. <laughs> Yes. I'm, so I, I'm glad that at least we feel the same way because, uh, yeah, the, there were those moments where like, I guess we were very easily entertained as, as teens in the 90s. I'm just going to chalk it up to we, we were just happy with what we could get in the 90s. So Right. Exactly. 100%. We were ignorant to like logic and common sense because you're, you know, 15, 16, you don't understand how things work in the world. You're like, cool, this kid is my age, you know, my age, quote unquote. He's really like 35, but he's, you know, running around in a giant dinosaur. You're like, this is awesome. And now you see, and you're like, well, why does he have a giant dinosaur? Why is he not doing any, like, like, where are the guns? Like, how do we not have missiles? Like, you're telling me you have all this power in the world. And you guys are like, let me give him a dinosaur. How about a bazooka? Call me crazy. I don't know. Uh, yes, I, I love it, but it's, it's that's why it's so fun, I guess, to revisit these films yeah. later down the line. Um, so anything else on our Rangers or the Zords before we get to our next couple of characters? I mean, we could go on for hours just about the Rangers and the Zords. Like, why <laughs> did the Rangers always go into battle, not in their Ranger uniforms? They're super, you know, durable spandex of death. Like, I appreciate the fact that in the movie, they upgrade them to leather. Because that looked cool, opposed to them running around in leotards, because that's menacing. <sighs> you know, you're going to the battery and you're like, hey, let's go explore. No, let's turn into Rangers and then go explore, because clearly something bad's happening. And I, I will have to add that the Ninjetti costumes was hilarious. Like, let's get ready for battle. Oh, just put the the, the, the little kind of right. shade over your nose and face, like covering like you've got a COVID mask and you're ready to fight. I'm like, okay. Right. I guess somehow that that's going to be like, exactly. You're all of a sudden powered up because you've covered your mouth. Like, woo, yeah, I got all these superpowers now. Like, what, like two seconds ago, you didn't. You were just like, 
this week. Yeah. And I like how in the TV show, they kind of like integrated it for a little bit and they just eventually just got rid of it. Like everybody forgot. Like now we're just going to go straight to the the Power Ranger uniforms. Okay. So the Ninjetti did continue after this movie then. They did. There was some, they they essentially kind of like reinvented the wheel. Like if you've never seen the movie, they did Mm -hmm. work it into the TV show. So it, you know, depending on what season you were familiar with of Power Rangers, you know, um, they replaced the three of them in the beginning of season two. So that's why we had different from season one to season two, the Rangers had changed. And the season two cast was what made it into the movies. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for for explaining that to me as well. But yeah, I guess uh, (laughs) the Rangers were what they were. So Mm -hmm. let's then get to our hero's main allies. We have, of course, Nicholas Bell and Robert L. Manahan as Zordon and Peter Marie Rickson and Richard Wood as Alpha 5. So what do you make of these two staples of the Power Rangers show? They, they should be fired. That's all I know. Like, you know, Zordon is here to protect the planet from Rita. And he doesn't think to put any defenses in place to make sure they don't crack open this Ivan used canister. Or, you know, he, again, gives 15-year-olds all the power in the universe and goes, all right, here, have fun, and just doesn't train him or anything. It's the equivalent of your dad buying you a sports car when you turn 17 and you smash it. It's kind of the same logic. And then Alpha 5, I just, I don't, just, oh. he, he hurts me. He hurts me deep. Like you're a robot that, you know, has no coordination or is just the punchline of everything or is always short circuiting because you've only been around for 65 million years or whatever the insane period of time is. They're both millions of years old and yet they're the most ill-prepared group of people like how how has the earth not fallen numerous times by now i don't know and when i thought that jar jar binks was annoying i'd forgotten about alpha five because (laughs) there were moments when that i i i i I was kind of gritting on me at the same i'm like okay we get it alpha five now cut it out because it was really getting annoying Um, oh i know <laughs> I agree with you. Set. Go ahead. No, I agree with you. They just he was you get that first time, you're like, okay, this is fine. And by like the seventh or eighth time, you're like, please stop. Just please. And that's what I'm saying. You know, the fact that I'm comparing him to somebody as annoying as Jar Jar Binks, I think says a lot for those who know Star Wars. So uh, the most hated character in history, or probably even in yes. the history of film. So, but here's the also the other thing. When I watched this this time, I kind of got Zordon as being the same, having the same issue, or should we say, having the same problems that folks have with Professor X and the X-Men in the sense that He kind of, you know, Professor X does more when it comes to missions and stuff. But Zordon literally sends these kids into the jaws of death with zero problems. Just kind of like, I suppose, Professor X, like, go ahead and get them, my mutants. And he does the same thing. And I actually believe that Ivan Ooze actually tells him this. You have people doing your dirty work because you can't do it. So... I was like, wow, man. I mean, you're literally taking advantage of these teenagers. Granted, you're giving them these amazing powers, swords and all this cool stuff. But like you said, where's the training? Magically, they have, they know martial arts. They know how to pilot vehicles, which nobody has ever seen. So (laughs) I'm like, okay, fine. Teenage brain, I'll roll with it. (laughs) No, man. And 
but I did what I did thought was interesting was when the glass kind of shattered and Ivanus kind of you know entered the it destroyed everything. It was interesting to see Zordon in his, should we say, human form. So I'm trying what I was trying to actually understand is so he can't live outside of that, shall we say, tube, basically. Is that what it is? Basically, yeah. They they changed a little bit because in the TV series. Rita says she traps Zordon in a, a time bubble or something to that effect. In the movie, it was the my stasis, whatever, my stasis tube. So yeah, they 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 changed it a little bit, but I think it was just it it was something that was just always kind of like in flux depending on who was writing at that point in time. Because sometimes they forget about it and other times, you know, it was a big deal. You know, you think this thing that was keeping him alive, they would have had a battery for. Like, I, I don't know. This guy has, again, all the power in the world, gives it to like 12 year olds to go blow up the planet. And this thing is literally keeping him alive. And he doesn't like plan for the worst. Like, he doesn't Batman this at all. Like, worst case scenario, somebody breaks in and blows everything up. I need to live. Nope, nope. He's like, we're good. These 15 year olds are great. And not to mention, you have nothing guarding him because Alpha 5 is useless. So he's right? not like gonna gonna defend Zordon in any way. So he could have some sort of I don't know system or guards or Lord knows what. I mean, this is supposed to be super high tech from another dimension. What the hell, man? I mean, this is worse than the Arrow Cave from Arrow, where people break in every five minutes. So I'm like, right? Come on! But, yeah, but uh, the Arrow Cave was horrible. Like everybody found it. Like it was the worst kept secret. Oh, uh, that would. You'd be like, okay, look, the bad guy knows where he is this week. Like, guys move. And they'd move again and they'd be found out almost immediately. Like, you guys are the worst at this. Like, how has nobody figured out who you are? Like, they know where your, your secret cave is, but they don't know that you're, you know, XYZ in the real world. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but that's also it, the. That, Go ahead. No, that's what got me. I agree with you with everything about Zordon. Like, this guy's this omnipotent being and he's, you know, been here defending the earth and he has no defenses or. How did Ivan News know where the heck he was? He just like next scene, he's like, right here, here we are. Okay, let's go. Like, again, you didn't plan for this. You trapped this dude for however many millions of years. He's going to be a little cheesed off. Yeah, just a tad. And not to mention, it would have taken one line to say Ivan News knows where he is because, like, I'm tracking Zordon now. There you are, and cackling and flying off. You right, know, so like literally. I agree with you 100%. As simple as that. Also, speaking of which, how the heck did the Rangers get to the tower when they didn't have powers? Yeah, you know, again, you and I being adults looking at the stuff like, wait, how did that work? Like, wait, they, they lost their suits, but they're here. Or why is it when the alert went off, they transported the tower? It was like the middle of the afternoon. But when they finally get to the pit, it's like two o'clock in the morning. What have they been doing for 12 hours? Like, what took them so long to get from Zordon to Ivan? Like, you know, these time jumps definitely crack me up sometimes in these TV shows and movies. I mean, I know. I mean, I guess, as I said, it's tough not to not to pull tons of threads here because there'll be literally nothing left by the time. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. By the time we pull all the threads, because this movie would unravel is unraveling very quickly. So um, it's split into seams. I understand. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is not just nitpicking. I mean, because I know there's still folks, you know, our age and stuff, we're still fans of Power Rangers. I know you're still a fan, regardless of yeah. how you know kooky or 
cheesy it might be, you know, it's like, heck, I'm a big fan of Doctor Who and we know how cheesy that is, but hey, you get great stories. That's what I'm going to say in favor of Doctor Who. Um, but but yeah, so that was that was the sort of the weird thing about Zordon and the the the, the relationship that he has with Kimberly. I guess that's very creepy. Yeah, because like he was like a father to me. I'm like, you've got no pair. I mean, so these guys are orphans at this point. <laughs> I, I'm going to assume so because you don't see any adults. And the problem is, is they're all middle age. So who you get to play their adult parents? So you couldn't, you know, at least if the kids were, you know, younger. You could theoretically get people in their 40s, but the problem is the kids are in their 40s. So you're going to get the parents who are like 90, and you're like, wait a second, this doesn't work. Mass doesn't work out here. But yes, apparently they're all orphans, and Kimberly had this creepy daddy complex going on with him. And I was very weird. She's like, Zordon, I love you. And you're like, wait, whoa, whoa, weird. Yeah, though I will say Amy Jo Johnson was actually pretty convincing there. I will give her that. I mean, uh, you know, she uh, you know, she's not obviously the world's greatest actress, but you know, she's she was decent in this. I will give give uh, give Amy Jo Johnson that. Um, but yeah, the relationship with with Zordon was a little bit weird because I said I guess she doesn't have a paternal figure in her life, so he's like he's my father. <laughs> so so I guess she has daddy issues. But uh, you know, we love you, Pink Ranger. We always will. But um, but still, you know, and and I thought was interesting they actually made a point about the pink ranger being the most attractive thing on this film you know everybody because i guess that was also the the time as well as everybody had the hots for the pink ranger for because of course amy joe johnson is a beautiful lady yeah but but still i thought it was (laughs) was fantastic that they actually there's almost this in joke of even i believe ivan ooze saying you know she's pretty cute and i believe goldar as well felt the same so Okay, I guess everybody's checking out the Pink Ranger, but uh, yeah, but yeah, well, so that, uh, was... that made it even worse is the fact that they knew their secret identities. You're telling me they couldn't have just killed them in their sleep? Like, why, why are we still at this point, you guys? Like, how do we still have Rangers? <laughs> there Worst you go. Secret. That's right. Hence, hence, this film is falling apart. Let's see if you could make it even yeah. worse <laughs> because we actually get go ahead. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I would say because we actually get an addition in this movie to the allies category for our Rangers. We have none other than Gabrielle Fitzpatrick as Dulcia. So what did you think of this addition, Keith? Uh, she was basically eye candy. You know, she, she was a, a plot device to move the story along. Why she was running around in a bikini and a staff? Who knows? You know, we, we, again, there wasn't, like you said, there wasn't a lot of character development, just like how she's like, I can't help you. I have to stay here. Okay. Don't explain why you have to stay here or you'll go poof, but yet turn into an owl and fly away. And that's fine. Like she's essentially the sorceress from He-Man. You know, I, she, she acted slight, she had, you know, a step up in terms of acting skills. She was you know, a little bit better than the rest of the guys and gals from the Power Ranger group, but, you know, not by much, you know, I, I get it. She had to, you know, point them in the right direction to go get your blah, 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 MacGuffin thingamajiggy over here. But yeah, I just like the fact that she was watching the battle happen from Earth. Like she's got superpowers and and or cable TV. She knows what's going on. She's like, yeah, let's go fight. Like, how, how do you know these things? 
I don't know, I guess everybody's so omniscient at this point, they know everything. But um, I agree with you, because I suppose she was supposed to sell almost as a stand-in for Zordon, because Zordon is pretty much like comatose at this point. So, mm-hmm. because the Rangers evidently can't do stuff by themselves, they need a, p- a parent because they literally need somebody to tell them what to do. They have zero initiative, so they need somebody to say, "Rangers, you will do this, and you will do this." And I'm literally telling you how the movie will, will go. I mean, so it's like it was literally exposition. That's what she was yes. doing for the most part. Oh, one hundred percent. That's what she was, and yeah, the 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 cost, the the wardrobe choice was a little bit weird. I mean. I was kind of glad that we didn't get those kind of shots like, you know, from behind and, oh, look at the bus. Right. And all this kind of, they try, I think they remembered this was for younger kids. So like we can't sexualize her too much. No. But um, but I was kind of glad that because I was a little bit in inverted commas concerned about it. But yeah, I was like, what's with the Red Sonia look? I mean, is this like Conan's planet or something? Yeah, but- yeah, it didn't make any sense because, you know, and then the very next scene, she's automatically like, well, here, we're going to do this, this ceremony to get your powers like all right, cool. Like apparently anybody could have gotten them literally. Like she just said, they had to be like, we're Rangers and she's going to agree with you. Like there was no like checking ID or literally anything like, okay, I agree. Let's go. Yeah. And all you have to do is basically, yeah. And basically all you have to say is know that you tell them her that, you know, Zordon, even if maybe you don't, and she's sorry. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't pick up a phone or call anybody like, hey, let me check your credentials. Like, do you have an ID? Maybe like a coin, your Power Ranger coin, literally anything. Nope. You know Zordon? Mm-hmm. Cool in my book. Like, it's sort of like when you go to a club and you're like, oh, I know Joe, because there's always a Joe in the club. And they're like, all right, that's fair enough. Like, nope. That's it. We're good. Cool. It was, it was so and, weird. And yeah. Go ahead. You know, and then the next scene, they're in their Ninjago, you know, outfits. And she's again standing here in this little two-piece bikini. And I'm like, why? Why? Like, it would have made so much more sense. Like, that one little thing. Like, they could have all had the same outfits. Nope, nope. I mean, I get like you were saying. She, Yeah, that's exactly. And, you know, well done that you mentioned that. Because that's exactly what was kind of going through my head was she's literally the sorceress from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And it was so weird. And yeah, she turns into the owl. I was like, oh, okay, because she's wisdom, kids. So I guess, you know, but, uh, but yeah. other And then when she kind of starts fighting the, the kind of bird creatures that Iva News sends over, all she has to do is swing these little sticks around. They make noises and they fly off. <laughs> Iva News yeah, just can't find the help. No. Like, and what impressed me, for lack of a better term, is... Those guys fly apparently at the speed of light because they took off from Earth and four minutes later they're on the other planet. Like the Power Rangers had to travel through space and maybe time, I don't know, and to get to this planet. And they were there. Meanwhile, these bird, you know, heckle and jekylls leave the planet two days later and they catch up to them in like five minutes. Like, man, these guys fly fast. And essentially, whistling scared them away. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's also the other thing is because we don't really get the idea of the passing of time. So we don't know yeah. how long it takes them. But like you said, it literally looks like, wow, they t- it took them like two minutes. <laughs> I told you, this, like, this is, 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 is unbelievable. But I guess this is an unbelievable universe. And again, yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. And I get it. It's a common trope in every movie. You know, you don't really have a concept of time unless there's a clock going in the background because, you know, day and night, you don't know. You don't know what day you're on. It could be the same day. It could be 20 minutes later. It could be literally seven hours later, you know, seven days later. Like, you know, in the Avengers, 
they're bouncing around between different parts of the world. Apparently, all of this is going on in you know parallel. So Captain America's over here fighting so and so in Europe, and then Doctor Strange is fighting so and so over here in New York City, and so and so is fighting on this planet. And you're like, this is all literally like. Meanwhile, so the Power Rangers, yeah. everybody does the exact same thing. I get it. Totally fair. Yes, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jump down their throats for that because I guess right. it's, it's like you said, we've forgiven others for doing it. We should forgive the Rangers too. I mean, granted, the Rangers are definitely um, they're worse at it than say most people because they show you like, okay, we're jumping in a you know spaceship and traveling from point A to point B. Power Rangers are like, poof, we're on another planet. And you're like, but your birds, how do you breathe in outer space? I know there's no logic to this movie. No, no. Like again, how do they know where they're going? Like, do they stop for directions? Like, what what is happening here? Like, there's no map. He's just like, go find them at this planet. All right, deuces, we out. Like, and they just leave. If like the, the most amazing sense of direction, <laughs> yeah, and then get their butts kicked. And five minutes later, they're back on Earth, going, "Well, we sort of kicked their butts." <laughs> like, how do you sort of like? You know, the sense of direction, no GPS, nothing. It's like very yeah, impressive. <laughs> very yeah. impressive. Okay, 100%. But, oh, man. It's fantastic. <laughs> man, it's hilarious. But anyways, uh, so yeah, anything else on, on Dulcia before we move forward, Keith? No. Well, you know what? Actually, I was thinking about it. Her and even uh, um, Zordon, they kind of reminded me of, you know, in the Dragon Ball Z anime, they have the the guardians of the planet, you know. It's, you know, that they kind of give me that weird like they took it from Dragon Ball Z. Like every planet has a guardian of some type because Zordon's Earth's, she's that Gessen planet off in God knows where. Like every planet, every time you see a Power Rangers movie, there's always some guy there to be the guardian or the trainer of some type. So I feel like that was just they kind of ripped that idea from anime. Mm. Most likely. I mean, uh, good, good point, good point, because uh, that's really the only thing she got to do. Because I, do, I don't know whether this character then continued within the TV show. Do you know? Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I know she did pop up because they did the whole them getting their powers again um, in the show. And I believe she was there, but I, I, I don't remember her lasting much longer than like a handful of episodes. Ah, okay. So yeah, I guess just as a reminder of like, we're coming off the movie, we'll show her a couple of times, then you'll forget about her. You know, she's forgetting. Right, so pretty okay. much. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for that. So uh, let's then get to the dark side of the table. And this is going to be fun. Uh, starting off, we actually have Kerry Casey and Kerrigan Matt Mahan as Goldar, Jean-Paul Bell and Martin G. Metcalf as Mordant, Julia Cortez and Barbara Goodson as Rita Repulsa, and Mark Jintha and Robert Axelrod as Lord Zed. So basically, we have literally the pretty much all the, the main villains that we'd seen in the TV show up until this point coming together for, of course, we get to Ivan News. So granted that we didn't see too much of some of these, but what did you make of our, should we say, first kind of villains before we get we got Ivan News? Do you mean, you know, I, I get it they need some sort of super bad guy and something or other. But again, when you're a little kid, you're like, Oh, these guys are amazing. You know, they're creating monsters and, you know, they're sending them to earth and they're, you know, fighting the power Rangers. But then you turn around and you see it as an adult and you're thinking like, why didn't, why don't they just create like 46 of these monsters and send them all to earth at the same time? Would have had to, you would have knocked out the power Rangers and, you know, we'd be good. There's no reason why you have to attack one at a time, you know, 
so the, the, the competence level is scary. Like, how did you guys almost conquer the universe? You know, so Rita, Rita was funny because, you know, they recycled um, her from the original uh, TV show. So all the, every time you saw her on TV for the first season, it was just recycled bits of the same cut and they just changed the dialogue because it was voiced over. So it did, you know, they bring it to the movie and it's the same scenario where you're just like, oh, it doesn't get any better. And then Lord Zed, again, supposed to be this nigh omnipotent, super evil Lord of blah, 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 blah. And he can't beat up five kids. You think between the two of them, they would have had a good idea by accident. Yeah, exactly. Because all they kind of think about is, yeah, let's release somebody even bigger than us. And I don't know where their, their hope was he would just do their bidding, get rid of the Rangers and leave. Or because, I mean, at first they almost seem like starstruck by Ivan in the sense, I guess, Clearly, he's got the rep of being like one of the biggest, most evil things that's ever graced the universe. So I suppose, because they almost see, like, seem like very much they're in the, in the presence of a celebrity. Because mm-hmm. Rita's like uh, uh, slobbering over him going, he's so handsome. And uh, Lord Zed's like, oh, I've always wanted to meet you and all this kind of thing. And then it changes very quickly after that, because I guess they probably realize that Ivan is not probably going to leave once he's, he's done with the Rangers and he's the one in command. And what I did think, I mean, it was, it was nice, I suppose, as you know, fans of the show, seeing all these familiar faces together, like you were saying, which I appreciated. I mean, even folks like Goldar, who for ages to me was like one of the most useless cronies ever. Um, even though he seems like, you know, a terrifying guy. You know, he's like a winged... Right creature wolf i don't know what he was but yeah yeah this wolf bat crow thingamajigger you're like oh this guy could probably kick some butt nope <laughs> nope he gets his butt kicked in the first episode you know what i i found interesting was um if you watch the tv show and then you watch the movie so rita's like ten thousand years has been trapped for like ten thousand years he's been trapped for i think it was like six or eight thousand years something like that and then Lord Zed just been, you know, farting around the universe like no big deal. And yet Rita knows who he is, but she's been locked in the magic jar on the moon, which again, why do you not put a warning label on that sucker? Do not open ever. Um, and then, you know, I get Zed knowing about the other two. Like and that, he makes sense and kind of bridges the gap between the two. But then, you know, Rita's seeing, you know, him and you're like, Ivan News is a giant grape. Like, what, what is there to fear? Or the fact that, I don't know, did you ever watch the old Munsters TV show, The Black and White? Oh, yes. He, re- he reminded me of Grandpa Munster. The outfit, the whole nine yards, the over-the-top camp, like when he's doing the Ivan infomercial, like, I, I, he, I feel like he should have a restraining order because he's like, I can't come here. And you're like, no, stranger danger, stranger danger. Like red flags all over the place. Giant purple dude's talking to you. It's very you true. Good. The other thing is the Power Rangers have apparently been on the planet for a hot minute. I have no idea the period of time they've been there. But the people in this town keep doing dumb crap. Like, you know, again, hey, there's this weird jar that we've never seen before in strange writing. Let's open it. No, you guys know that there's monsters and they come down and kind of break everything. Let's err on the side of caution. Let's find the Power Rangers. Let's literally anything. Nope. They crack that sucker open like it's a beer can. 
And then, you know, Ivan comes out with this purple ooze crap and all the parents, what do they do? Stick their hand in it and smell it. Like, again, you guys remember there's monsters in the world and you don't know what this is. Don't touch it. Like common sense people. It's scary. I don't know what the obsession, or well, I guess maybe it was the obsession with kind of the oozy stuff, but still, the plot was very, as I said before, was very, very thin. Oh, and yeah. the story was super, it was like literally paper thin. What I did, I guess, kind of appreciate was the fact that, you know, Rita and Zed then get trapped in the snow globe, which was kind of funny. I thought that, oh, I, yeah. mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying that obviously I was bursting out laughing and splitting my sides, but, you know, it was kind of, it made me chuckle, like, haha, very funny. And then the fact that, uh, Goldar and um and, and Mordent basically become the lackeys for Ivanus, which was kind of fun. And then obviously we get they get their comeuppance once Zed and Rita are free. So it's like, oh, we're in trouble, screwed, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah. Um they're they're kind of the bumbling sidekicks. They got funny enough, they got more obviously than our two bosses than Rita or Zed because they were trapped in the thing. I suppose they had to put the spotlight on on Ivan. It's like, okay, we'll have the bumbling sidekicks making stupid comments and saying silly things and just, you know, making just looking just looking stupid. So I suppose that works. And it was it was probably one of the better parts of the of the film when it came to that. I mean, it made me chuckle and it's like, oh yeah. And then that actually made me go back to being a, a, te- a teenage kid and remembering why I it why this this show made me laugh back then. So as you did actually mention him, uh, Keith, let's get to our big bad, the main antagonist of this film, Mr. Paul Freeman as Ivan Ooze. So yeah, you you know you mentioned some things here and there. What do you make of him as our main villain? Uh, again, he he's in the same camp as Rita and Zed. It's how did you conquer the world? Like I don't understand how we've gotten to this point. Like you have these people with zords and giant monsters and whatever the case may be. And there's all these planets in the universe. And somehow you got beat by five kids. Like every time you've all three of you have lost two teenagers every time. Like how, how does this happen? Like, again, you can conquer the rest of the known universe, build up this giant army and then come invade earth, you know, sort of like what they did in Avengers or tried to do in Avengers with, you know, giving Loki the army. I, I, Common sense dictates numbers. Like, but again, as a little kid, you're like, oh, this guy's funny. He's kind of comedic because they don't want, you know, TV shows back then, they didn't want the bad guys to be bad or menacing or anything really scary. So they kind of had to be the opposite. They went from one extreme to the literal other. So you're not going to take Ivan seriously because he's cracking jokes, he's throwing ooze at people, you know, all this stuff. And same thing with Rita and Zed. While they're supposed to be like, oh, I'll get you, my kid, you know, my pretty, like the Wicked Witch of the West. Again, at the end of the day, they're beat by teenagers. So I appreciate how he, you know, his acting and how he portrayed the character. You could tell he, he was loving life. You could, it came across. It was very like he was loving it. He was eating this up. He was having a blast, you know. So I, I appreciate him as the actor and him playing the character, because again, you know, how do you play a cheesy, you know, grape villain? The guy's, his weakness is hot air. He's ooze. I'm not afraid of this guy. No. And, but, Extreme weather. 
<laughs> yes. And very well said. I agree. I think he's actually the most developed character in our movie, which is saying yes. a lot. Uh, but but it's true. I think of all the people on this movie, I totally agree with you. I could tell that Paul Freeman was having a blast doing this film. He was literally, eat, like you said, he was eating up the, the role, just having fun because you know he's probably he's used to doing other stuff it kind of reminded me of uh, skeletal from masters of the universe where I, you could tell like it's not you know you're not just doing it for the paycheck it's like okay i get to do a silly movie about power rangers for kids and i'm gonna i'm gonna just you know totally milk it for what it's worth and he did but i will also add very well you very astutely pointed out the fact that i guess you couldn't make your villain terrifying but more weird or disgusting or it was almost reminded me of uh, two-face from the batman and robin movie from i believe the 90s i believe that Mm -hmm. was because if they're kind of similar very over the top they're very sort of you know know, uh, chuckling madly or cackling or making these very sort of weird uh, jokes and stuff and and i agree when he does the the creepy salesman i was i was right there with him like why are kids buying this stuff from this very, very dodgy guy? So, right. There's I, this purple thing selling you stuff in a can. You're like, yeah, let's buy that. No. Like, this it's, is all the red flags. Like, this, no, Stranger Danger. Like, do your parents are horrible. Especially it's just, if it it's free. Right. Yeah, free purple stuff in a can from a guy who looks like a sun-dried prune. Yeah, let's go for that. That, that looks good. Oh. It turn out you know. fine. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? You've never seen me a day in your life. I just rolled into town 10 minutes ago. It'll be fine. No big deal. Wait, you just guys had a giant monster just blow up half the city yesterday? What? That's not a coincidence at all. I don't know. Yeah, 100%. Like, adult supervision is just spectacularly lacking. Yeah, I don't know whether that was a commentary on the Times. I don't think so, but maybe. I don't know whether... You know, it was a time when adults would literally plant their kids in front of the TV and just walk away. Maybe it could have been, but maybe that's looking a little bit too deeply. So I doubt. It. I, I, I mean, doubt it. yeah, no, I can kind of give you that one. You know, because the, the kid, what's his name, that Fred kid from the beginning, yeah. which had the most unnatural interaction with um, his dad or Tommy. They're like, oh, high five, and they're like, oh, it's so forced and so awkward. Like there was no natural chemistry. The scene where his dad picks up the ooze in the can, he's nowhere to be found. So he literally bought this stuff, took it home, left it, and then went out and played with his friends. Yeah. Like, okay, no big deal. Like, this is fine. Again, what could go wrong? So I guess it could be a commentary maybe on absentee parenting, possibly. Possibly. But, but, you know, you really have to dig deep to see the subtext, if that's the subtext. But See, that's um, the difference between us as, you know, teenagers and us as adults. You, You see the flip side of it now, and you're looking at, like, man, those parents are horrible. What are they doing? Like, why did they not warn these kids? And then again, when you're 15, 16, you're like, cool. It's a guy made out of slime. This is amazing. Like, so. Yeah. And who needs parents, you know, because parents annoy me when I'm a teenager. I want to do my own thing and all this kind right. of stuff. So, so I suppose there's that. But I agree with you. You know, to, to tangent briefly, the relationship between our kid and his dad, it was so strange because when he kind of gets back to himself, they hug like, the guys come back from war or something. Right. Like, you, you thought he was in prison for like 10 years or something crazy. He just, you know, was a POW. And yeah. Oh, yeah. They hug it out like they've never seen They haven't seen each other in forever. Like that was the most affection in the entire movie. And you're like, that seems a little excessive. You, you, I get it. You tried to stop your dad from jumping off a cliff. 100%. I get that. But 
the way you hugged him, you make it seem like you hadn't seen him in you know forever. I yeah, also it thought like, it was funny how everybody was wearing purple all of a sudden. Like, what point did they, the mind control parents, go? I need to put on purple clothes, or where the hell did everybody get purple clothes from? Same thing with the kids. Like, at some point, everybody just went shopping. They're like, "All right, world's coming to an end. Let's go to the mall." I suppose so, but <laughs> yeah, so many questions, so many questions, yes, but so so many but, questions. But I do think that uh, going back to Ivan, I do th- I do I did appreciate what Paul did with this character. And, oh, yeah. and speaking actually of Ivan Ooze and stuff, I guess it's kind of tangential to him, Keith. What did you make of his? Zords. I mean, did you find them menacing? Did you find them interesting? What do you What do you think? Uh, um, he had this weird ant thing, and you know, his two Zords almost beat up the five other Zords. So it, it shows that he is or was a powerful being. You know, he was holding his own himself in a Zord against the Power Rangers who have these new powers and abilities. So he clearly is a strong bad guy. But, you know, obviously the good always has to win. So they have to find some way of defeating him because it wouldn't be much of a movie if we're like, all right, Zed wins, cool, we're out. Or, you know, Ivan News wins. So I, I, you knew the outcome, obviously, because of every movie ever made, it's always the good guy wins. But the buildup and him holding his own against them and them actually having to come together to fight him was like, all right, cool. You know, he, he isn't just all hype like, you know, Zed and Rita where, you know, the Rangers beat him relatively on a regular basis. It was purely by happy accident that they lost, you know, it was, if that meteor wasn't, you know, or the comet wasn't flying by at that split second in time, they would have lost end of story. It was just a, again, happy accident. Yep. This time it was definitely happenstance, which saved our heroes. And uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was menacing enough, I suppose, like you said. I mean, he posed the threat, but obviously he's not going to terrify anybody. It was more an over-the-top funny guy. And, and, right. I, and, and, I, and I remember as a kid really, really enjoying it. And I recall actually when the trailers were on, I was like, ooh, that guy seems interesting. He's purple. He does weird stuff with his hands and this ooze. So I'm definitely going to enjoy this. He, as I said, he's probably once again one of the best things of this movie because Paul Freeman literally tries to act and br- breathe life into this character. So, right. uh, as bad as the story is, and you know, as be- threadbare as the, the the character development is, Paul Freeman is definitely the the, the best the best part in this. And uh, and speaking of which, Keith, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add on on Ivan or even our movie in general before we get to ratings? So my, my question I've always had was, how did they get out of the jar at the end, the little snow globe? I've always wondered that. Like, they were, he did something to magic them into the globe. And, you know, the end of the movie, they're like, ha we're back. And you're like, but why or how? You know, again, as a kid, you're just like, all right, that happened. And, you know, it's because he doesn't exist anymore. The magic is undone and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Sure, whatever. Or, you know, why is the comet on fire? Comets don't aren't on fire in outer space because there's no oxygen, you know. But you watching this, you know, as again, as a little kid, you're like, "Wow, it's amazing!" And then you watch this adult, and you're like, "That doesn't work. That doesn't work." Or now that everybody's gone, why doesn't why don't the Power Rangers go to the moon? Because I think they know where the bad guys are. None of this, none of this ever happens. 
Zero. <laughs> but yeah, good point. My my that was where my logic went though. Like used to when it came to the slow globe, that um that yeah, it was the usual the guy's dead, so anything he did magically dies with him. So oh, I guess that I guess that's the most sort of um the, the best explanation. I was almost hope wondering whether we'd get a post-credit scene, but we didn't. And uh, so I'm like, okay, that's it. You know, wait for the next season of Power Rangers at this point. Um, and speaking actually of which, before we do get to ratings, Keith, if they ever did do, or I believe they actually might be making a new Power Rangers movie, what would you like? <laughs> no, what would you like to see? And uh, you know, what would you what would what would you hope to to get with a should we say updated version of the Rangers, at least in movie form? I really would hope they would pull a little bit more from the comic books because the comic books have some really interesting crazy stories you know they just had one i want to say it was last year it might even still be ongoing where tommy conquers his dimension and he is a fusion of the green ranger and the white ranger and he has all these crazy powers like he's beaten all the rangers he never turned good he stayed evil and he just you know went on a rampage and you know took everybody out granted Eventually, all the Rangers have finally, you know, finally did conquer him. But he was a big bad guy. He n- took out Rita. He took out Zed. You know, there was much better story development, character development, the whole nine yards done in these books. And I really would like to see them take some of those stories and bring them to the big screen because I think done correctly, you know, people will forgive the TV shows because. Again, kids and you know superheroes in spandex taking on other monsters is very corny. But you know, you look at the Marvel movies, and what is it? It's characters in spandex taking on monsters, and everybody loves those movies. So done correctly, I think it could hit the nostalgia chord because you have enough generations out nowadays. You know, you have our generation. You'd have theoretically, if we have kids, our kids, even our grandkids' generations that are all grown up on the Rangers and they all have their favorite, you know, the, either the original Rangers, you know, you know, one of the other SPF force or, you know, Dino force or Ninja steel or whatever, you know, your different forces are. There's so many different ones of those that everybody has a favorite, sort of like everybody has a favorite superhero. I think it could be very good. Unfortunately, you know, it could go in the same route as the transformer movies where it's just terrible <laughs> there's no nice way of saying it you know everybody got really mad at transformers and michael bay because of how the transformers were acting you know people were up in arms about how you know you had a character acting like he was this type of individual or this set of stereotypes you had other transformers were acting like this stereotype and i had to point out to everybody I go they told you in the beginning of the Transformers movies that they learned this by watching our TV shows. So they're just emulating us. Mm-hmm. So you're getting mad at the fact that there's a Transformer emulating demographic X. That's because you put that out in the world. Don't get mad at the Transformer. Get mad at the person who made the TV show that he's basing that stereotype on. You know, when they did the last or the new Power Rangers movie, had a lot of potential 
You know, they had a really good cast. The chemistry was there, but it kind of went off the rails. You know, the Zord was super CGI. It didn't look much better than the 1995 Zord. I mean, it was more, it was designed better, but in terms of graphics, it was like, oh, I see you upgraded your computer. Cool, guys. Like, uh, okay. Um, The fact that they had a kid who had special needs as a Power Ranger. Cool. Great. That's awesome. Wait, you gave him superpowers and it cured his autism? How? You know, he, he just lost that, you know, uniqueness halfway through the movie. Like, cool. You can cure Asperger's with Power Ranger juice. Like, no big deal. Like, everybody just seems to forget that one. Like, I remember when I watched the, the newer movie, I'm sitting there like, okay, cool. He's a little different. And all of a sudden, he's like, Power Rangers and he's magic fine. I was like, hmm, man, they should patent that stuff and sell it because I'd buy that stuff in a heartbeat. No, oh God. But yes, it, that's terrible. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful that maybe you know, the right person might come about. I probably wouldn't give this to give it to Michael Bay. I agree with you. But I mean, I'm not, a, you know, I know there are a lot of Michael Bay fans out there. I'm not particularly a big fan of Michael Bay's films. But um, I definitely wouldn't give it to him. But I would like to see what they could do with the right director, some good writers and everything else. Like you said, the superhero movie genre has been elevated so much at this point from character development stories to effects to everything else. So there's no reason why such a beloved franchise can't get the treatment it deserves or can't get the movie the fans deserve. So I think maybe something that can be enjoyed by both kids and old school fans like ourselves. So just like the MCU films or even to a certain extent, some of the, the, uh, the DC films to where, mm-hmm. you know, you can take your kid to it, but you also, you can enjoy it and you're not rolling your eyes going, Oh, what, what is this? So, so I think if you can do that, you know, you can, I don't, don't see any reason why that's not possible, you know? Oh, so. agreed. I, I think if you took um, say like the director from either Kong skull Island or one of the, the Godzilla, you know, movies, I think they have the right idea. I don't think Michael Bay would be a good fit because his thing is just blow crap up. And I get it. It's Power Rangers and they're going to blow crap up. That's, that's a given. We know that. But in terms of you know, the story, the filming, the actual universe build out, those guys do a better job. I mean, even you know, some of the guys from DC and Marvel do a very good job. The writing... <sighs> It's kind of a coin flip because you have you got to write for a bunch of kids essentially, and you do need to make sure you cast the right age group, you know, teenagers, twenty somethings, and that nature. But you don't want it to be too cliche, where you know, in ten or twenty years, we're doing another podcast about, hey, did you see the the reboot of Power Rangers? And they're all using cheese ball slangs like you know oh that's fire or that's this we have to explain to our kids what that means or you know the grandkids have to explain to their kids what that means so hashtag power rangers or something like that right i'm gonna tweet this and like or or i'm gonna post this on my instagram feed it's like you guys understand not every kid is on instagram or not every kid is you know all about you know blah 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 and i think that's unfortunate if you were to try to you know take a 2000 something kid you know if you took a 15 year old from nowadays and tried to give them like these power rangers abilities they'd be you know taking selfies on the moon like that's just a thing 
Like, I, I, there's no nice way of saying it. Like, they'd be really doing some really silly stuff. Or at the same time, you know, they'd be stabbing each other because they don't know how sharp objects are because parents forgot to tell their kids not to stab each other. Most likely. And then, of course, if it were directed by Michael Bay, you probably would have the Pink Ranger in skimpily clad clothes. Mm-hmm. And be like really awkward product placement that didn't make any sense whatsoever. You know, they'd be like, oh, look, they're fighting. All of a sudden, they cut to a truck. You're like, why is there a truck just sitting there? Why is there a Corvette, a clean, perfectly clean Corvette just parked in the middle of the, you know, the desert? Who the hell leaves their car out? Like, what is that about? Or, you know, you'll have some Navy SEALs, you know, paragliding through buildings. You know, like, you're telling me the Transformers, these giant 50-foot robots didn't just slap them right out of the sky? Like, all right, SWAT. They're literally ants to them. Like, so, yeah, I think Michael Bay would not be a good good fit i hope they wouldn't make it just one giant like youtube you know music video or something i actually if they took the the director of um crap what was ryan reynolds last movie free guy or yeah that's right yeah if they took him i think he would do a good job you know in terms of he had you know free guy and in the adam project that was a de- you know well made, well thought out. Special effects were a little shaky, but I get the budget you know limitations. But I think he would do a good job. Um, I, I don't think we need like a Robert Downey Jr. anchor character, and this doesn't need to be seventy four movies like the Avengers. But you make a good you know trilogy. There you go. A trilogy sounds fair to me. And speaking of directors, then let's actually get to ratings then. Because obviously we're looking at Brian Spicer's film here. What do you give Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie out of 10, Keith? Do we want adult Keith or young Keith? Let's have both of you. I'm up to you. All right. So we're talking like, you know, 15, 16 year old Keith. He's going to give it, you know, probably an eight because it's the Power Rangers and it's amazing and it's giant robots beating up other giant robots. Forget logic and common sense. We don't need that. Adult Keith, who has said logic and common sense, I'm going to have to give it like a maybe a three, pushing a four, just because of the cheese dialogue. It has not aged well at all. You know, it, it, it's not kept up. Granted, it's a 95 movie, but there are other movies that came out in the 90s that have shockingly aged better than that. Hell, Raiders of the Lost Ark from 1981 is a significantly better movie and has aged mostly better just for the sheer fact, you know, who he was fighting. But again, there were other movies in the 90s that I could watch today, all day, every day. And then there's the Power Rangers, which it took me three days to watch. Wow. Okay. And this movie is only like 90 minutes long, so it says a lot on the rewatchability of this film. Yeah, it, it was, and I've, I've again, I've watched you know most of these Power Rangers movies, and you know, they, they again are not high on the intellectual scale, but you know, scale rather. But yeah, as I, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Their IMDb gives them a five point two. Somebody likes this movie much more than we do. Yes, because I'm right there with you. I'm actually also going to give it two out of 10 because seriously, guys, I mean, it, I'm going to once again put it in that category of. Friday night, you have some buddies, you're of legal drinking age, pop this on and you'll have a blast watching it. But uh, 100%. All like the nostalgia factor. You know, you have Power Rangers. I was like, remember that kooky Power Rangers movie we used to love as kids? Let's pop it on and, you know, order some pizzas, order some beers. And it's a great, I think it makes for a great Friday night film. Oh, 100%. I think, you know, 
you can make a good drinking game out of something like every time Kimberly screams or every time they do a backflip, everybody does a shot. Like I'm surprised if there's not a Power Rangers drinking game, we, we need to come up with one because you wouldn't make it 20 minutes into the movie or, you know, you'd make it to the end of the movie and be blackout drunk. Either way, it's a great night for you. <laughs> Agreed. And uh, when it actually comes to recommendations, Doc, to those who might have possibly enjoyed this film, Keith, is there anything you'd like to recommend they check out? A physician, because clearly they're crazy. Um, sorry, sarcasm. It gets the best of me sometimes. Uh, I, if you're in the Power Rangers, if you like the Power Rangers with the giant robots, um, I would have to go with the Transformers or um, heck, I'm trying to think of other movies that were in that same time frame or that type of style. Um, yeah, I, I guess you'd have to go through like the Transformers. Other than the, the last one, which was just three hours of my life I'm never getting back. Um, yeah, Is that the Bumblebee B one? No, not the Bumblebee one. The one where it was the, the last night or whatever the heck it was where okay. Optimus gets possessed by, I don't know, a virus or something, you know. What I, I never understood about the Transformers is like, they're giant robots. They, they eventually, if they take enough damage, they pass away. Again, they're giant robots. Somebody could just download them into a computer somewhere else. Like these guys should never, ever get destroyed or, you know, get decommissioned for lack of a better term. But that's a, that's a rant for a different day. It, it, it certainly is. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty much there with you. I will say, you know, the Transformers stuff. And, of course, uh, like um, Keith was saying, definitely check out the Power Rangers comics as well, because I think you might actually find way more enjoyment from those compared to this movie. I've actually started reading some of them after you actually uh, were telling me about them, Keith. I got a couple on Comixology and the, where they're readily available mm -hmm. and actually good prices. And I actually thoroughly enjoyed them. So I would definitely suggest folks to check those out and uh, for sure. So that, that, I, that those are my recommendations. Was there anything you wanted to add? No, I'm just there with you. Check them out. If you are a kid or, you know, adult who has children, read the comics. They are light years better. You know, they, they put the TV show to shame, unfortunately. And, you know, you'll just thank me for it. <laughs> but I guess, I guess you could theoretically say that about any movie. You know, you could say that about Fantastic Four or like, you know, Green Lantern or any of those movies that do horrible, like X-Men Age of Apocalypse. You read the comic books that the source material is from, and it just shows you how disconnected the powers that be are from the source material. Because, you know, you look at, X-Men Apocalypse, they changed Apocalypse. He didn't he looked like this goofball dude that was blue and had dreads. And you're like, that's poor Oscar he, Isaac. Yeah, poor he he gets kind of the, the the shaft. But I guess they did redeem him with Moon Knight. So he's a good actor. I, I like him as an actor in general, but he just gets the, the short end of the stick. You know, if they, I could almost see if they had like adult rangers, I could see like a Paul Isaac type of him as a ranger or even a mentor to the rangers Ooh, i like that idea definitely so uh if the right people are listening folks we've got some ideas for you yeah. so who would you like if you had to cast the power rangers who would you cast since Ooh, we're talking that, about you know we, we've gone on that a, random tangent that's a very tough question because um i mean because if we're looking at maybe because i would almost have liked to see older rangers in the sense that maybe within the age range of 
the actors playing the Avengers or other superheroes. So if it comes to just our main six, I'm just trying to, to, to think here. So, um, okay. So, so I would have, go ahead. So you're looking more for like the grizzled old, like they've been doing this for a long time kind of Power Rangers. Yeah. Or more established ones. Cause like, for example, I would love to see like Idris Elba as the black Ranger. I would get mine like <laughs> any yeah. day of the week. hundred um, percent. Or um, I'm trying to think when it comes to the Red Ranger, possibly. Ooh, I mean, heck, no, but he's 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 a little bit. Too, I don't know if he's a little bit too past his prime at this point. Heck, maybe even Grant Gustin could do a decent job as the Red Ranger, the guy who plays the Flash. If he bulked up a little bit, yeah. I'm trying. I could see him being a Ranger. I don't know which. I don't know if I could see him necessarily being the Red Ranger. Stephen Amell is the White Ranger. Oh yeah, okay. I could go with that. I would say that, that I mean, Grant, I... He, he's very different looking from Tommy, but I could definitely see him as being the leader. Seeing that uh, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, depending, you know, obviously Arrow being what it was, but he does have the acting chops and the presence. I think to be the White Ranger, Red Ranger, it's a question mark. Blue Ranger, ooh, oh man, yeah, this this is tough. Um, I'm trying to think who would be good for, for these roles. Heck, maybe even a um, a Chris Evans for the Blue Ranger. Okay, one of the Evanses. <laughs> one of the Evanses. <laughs> one, of the Chris's, one, one of the Chris's. Exactly. Um, um I, I could see maybe um, I don't know, maybe Emily Blunt as the um, as the Pink Ranger. Mm-hmm. And uh, good. Uh, I, I'm liking where you're going with this. <laughs> I think it'd be kind of well. You know what? It, it would be crazy is if they had the the parent rangers, and then they kind of like the kids became the rangers too, or you know, the parents were secret rangers. Not you know, where they were known in the universe, but nobody knew who they were. So like mm. the pink ranger and the you know pick your ranger, the red ranger, green ranger, whoever, white ranger, get married, have kids. And then, you know, they kind of do like the whole Young Avengers. They pass it on to their kids. That could definitely be an idea. I like that. That would be, that would be fun. I'd almost take the X-Men first class, the actual cast of them. Ooh, good the whole, cool. The whole cast and literally just make them Power Rangers because, <laughs> you know, they, they all have their ideal. You know, everybody plays a good part and they have the natural chemistry. And I could see, you know, them fitting in as different power rangers it doesn't necessarily have to be like you know pink white you know green blue black it could be any of the power rangers of any of the shows ever so you could have a gold ranger you could have a silver ranger you could whatever the case may be oh yeah and or you like you said you you have the adult versions so you have like the robert downey juniors and people a little bit older that have been doing it for a long time they're grizzled they're they're jaded they're tired. They've been doing this for, you know, 20 or 30 years. Apparently they have not learned anything ever. Um, and they're trying to pass it along. Hmm. Yeah. I would like that. I mean, as I said, we, we definitely come out, come up with some great concepts. Did you have any other potential actors in mind? No, you know, if Mel Gibson was like, you know, 40 years younger, hundred percent could see <laughs> Mel Gibson as like the Tommy character true well you know there's so many and then you kind of have to figure do you want the adult rangers do you want 
the kids, I think, like I said, the X-Men, First Class, or even the New Mutants, that cast, they're young enough and they actually have acting chops. They're good actors or decent actors, depending on who you ask. I think they could pull it off. And you know, you could do a more mature story nowadays where the villain, you know, Zed the villain is like a Thanos. He is menacing. He has no problem literally snapping a dude's neck just because he tried to, you know, poke him in the eye with a little dagger. You know, I, I think this generation is more comfortable with the violence. Where in the 90s, everybody was like, okay, give them rubber toys because we don't want little Billy to shoot little Julie's eye out. Nowadays, it's kind of expected, you know, especially with the Avengers doing so well and the the DC movies doing fairly well. They could get away with a more mature storyline. Oh, yeah. And th- you, you make a great point because now coming to mind, yeah, I could definitely second Anya Taylor-Joy being part of the Power Rangers. Or heck, like I said, we're looking even older. I could even see a Ryan Gosling or a Ryan Reynolds in there. Uh, well, see, I think... Nothing against Ryan Reynolds. He's a, you know, a good actor. He's a good comedic presence. I think, unfortunately, now everybody sees him as Deadpool. So mm-hmm. every time you see him on screen, you're going to expect some sort of smart comment or snarky response or you know, something else. So it, it's going to kind of theoretically pull away from the story. Again, he's a great actor. I, you know, I love him. Ryan Gosling. I need to see. I, I I have a blind spot for him. Some of his movies are a little tough for me to sit through, so I, I have to. I would have to reassess him. But you know, I'm not opposed to it. Oh, awesome! Well, folks, if you want to also let us know what your potential lineup for Power Rangers would be, feel free to email us and let us know. And you can do that at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to be like the wonderful Keith and take the plunge to discuss a superhero movie show, you can do so also by hitting us up on happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Feel free to uh, follow us on Facebook where you find us as Happiness and Darkness or on Twitter where we're at High Darkness Pod. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast of being generous, you can check out the great tiers we have going on on Patreon. They will be able to pick films that go outside of what are considered regular superhero movies or even films inspired by comics like 300 or Road to Perdition or I Kill Giants or even films which inspired comics like Aliens or Robocop or Terminator and more. Check all that out and join our army of patrons. Head on over to patreon.com slash happiness and darkness. And Keith, when it comes to you and what you do, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Uh, I am an enigma wrapped in a mystery. I, I do not exist. I just, I come out from time to time, inflict my opinions upon others and kind of let it fly. So next time you'll hear from me, I'll probably be on this podcast with you or with uh, our mutual friend, Greg Vorob. Exactly. Big shout out to Greg Vorob and the SNL podcast, indeed. And when it comes to, to me, folks, if country music is your speed, I can be found hosting the radio show Whiskey and Cigarettes, where we play today's country, traditional country, and everything else in between. For more info about that, visit our website. That's whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com. Podcast-wise, we feel to check out our other project, Gold Standard, the Oscars movie podcast, where with co-hosts Sam Sprouse and Rachel Friend, we're reviewing all the movies that won the Oscar for Best Picture from 1927's Wings to the Present Day. 
Also, if super TV shows, superhero TV shows are your speed, you can find myself and Charles Skaggs on the Fandom Zone, where we're currently reviewing Miss Marvel. And if you're fans of Titans or Doom Patrol, waiting for those new seasons of those shows, you can hear myself and Charles discussing the previous three seasons on Titan Talk. And speedings to come on this show, next time we'll be taking on the 2022 Taika Waititi film, Thor, Love and Thunder. So, Keith, first off, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure and a joy to have you on, and I definitely look forward to having you back very soon. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate being on here. It was a joy to sit here and talk to you about, you know, one of our classic all-time cheese movies, Power Rangers. Well, the pleasure was definitely ours. That said, folks, of course, uh, thanks as always for this show and supporting us. We will see you next time with Thor, Love and Thunder. Until then, stay super. Ciao.